The new leaders of the president's management agenda will be responsible for execution of the three main pillars of the agenda, and especially for the places they intersect each other. Two of those areas that intersect are customer experience and securing government IT systems. Arlette Hart is master solution architect at Lidos. She's former chief information security officer at the FBI. Arlette, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program. It strikes me that the challenge that agencies are up against is the speed at which they're going to be expected to execute both the CX and the security pieces of the president's management agenda. What are organizations that are able to implement things like this at speed able to do to be successful? Welcome. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me today, Francis. Um, I think organizations that are able to do this at speed and with the right level of security have an advantage in being able to um, integrate across both the cybersecurity and the operational capabilities so they can tie them consistently together. Lidos has been really working on this over time and focusing on not just delivering speed for operational capabilities, but ensuring that the security components of it are fully integrated consistently. And I know, uh, you know, you go into the um, uh, NIST and 863 and all the, uh, the compliance requirements that go along with it, and really driving ability to reach compliance and operational security in context will make a huge difference. And it'll help ensure that the people who are using the systems really understand the safety and have reassurance that their that their information is secure and that they can use these systems securely and safely. So you just use the term in context. What's the context that one should keep in mind when one's considering architecture, the technology that's necessary for security's sake and all of those kinds of things? Uh, the context really is what is the what's the business function? What's the risk to you and to your organization of using these systems? How is it how is it that you, for your risk appetite, can understand what your exposure is in context? Looking at yourself as a whole person, looking at the people around you as complete persons, not just this is what I do at work, but this is what I do at work. This is what I do at home. This is what I do at church. This is what I do at, you know, whatever other kinds of functions are important to you. You are a composite of those elements together. And your context piece of it needs to hold all of those elements together. So when you reach into any given system, you want to make sure that it respects you as your person in that context. So looking at the government pieces of it, that also is a case where you are in context of that system, whether you are a current employee, a former employee, a future employee, you know, wherever you are in that in that mix, or even you applied to government systems, because still you have pieces of that information that are applicable and that are being held by the government. They need to be trustworthy. And frankly, government is the entity that creates identity. I mean, you know, your social security number, all of these other things, how you are as a person in the United States is a government function. Government needs to take it seriously, and it does. And Lidos is working very hard to make sure that we also help take that position seriously. The key word there, I think, that you used is risk. And I guess the most encouraging thing about all of the, the, the kind of the vision that you just laid out is over the last especially five years, but maybe 10 to 15 years, the government has gotten a lot better from a security perspective about thinking about risk management for itself and for the people that use its systems, both the internal customers and the external customers. Is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. And I think the executive order exemplifies some of the uh, seriousness with, with, with which they take this. And honestly, over the last 
you know, decade, 15 years, it has been increasingly taken seriously, um, retiring legacy systems, moving into a new digital age that has much more security and much more uh, robustness around both the functionality and the security is in um, they've really gotten a long way also in making sure that security uh, supplements instead of gets in the way of the operational capabilities. And we've been driving those, those initiatives to make sure, you know, you have DevSecOps, you tie these pieces together. So you're really working to make sure the functions and the security are a holistic component of all of the systems together. Let's maybe do an inventory of those pieces that you're talking about, because you mentioned DevSecOps. I always think of zero trust. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's a million of them. What are the main building blocks? What are the main pieces that somebody in an agency in a security role, high level needs to be thinking about today? And what should that person maybe also understand about where she'll be 18 months from now or three years from now? Because now's the time to be thinking about that too, right? So the functional requirements, obviously DevSecOps, moving to the cloud. I mean, they're in the executive orders, uh, software bill of materials, secure supply chain. Those are really critical and they're hard problems to solve. And one of the reasons they're hard problems to solve, of course, is because we need people to do the work. And that's one of the bigger challenges too. It's like, how do we really build people who can do these functions and put them in place in context, again, in context, you know, so that we can drive capabilities across the board. Um, but I think uh, the, Obviously, after solar wind, supply chain, after, you know, and then the secure bill of the software bill of material, sorry, so that we have, you know, when you're doing DevSecOps, you're building it on a secure base, which is also a code, uh, code repository. So making sure your code repository, are you doing good software, uh, um, secure software design and development? These pieces are critical because these are elements that are feeding in. And as you have more pieces of it that are not as secure, each little chink in that armor means another vulnerability, another place where people can get in and compromise the data. I mean, we all re- remember, you know, OPM data from a few years ago. It wasn't a malicious thing. It was a an oversight. It was legacy infrastructure. The, um, the investment wasn't there to upgrade the infrastructure at a time, and it was just compromised. These things have to be addressed. That's why, you know, the executive order and other things like that are so important. So we can really retire legacy and move to much more modern, secure capabilities. What should organizations in government think about as they're making those transitions and to to try to safeguard themselves from just buying a newer version of the old thing? Right. It's not it's not usually a lift and shift. That's not usually the right answer. Usually you want to make um, explicit decisions to make a change, do it on a risk-based posture. You know, where's your highest risk? What what applications, what capabilities can be transitioned to the new environment? What, um, where are you going to get the most bang for the buck? It has to be a balance. There's, you know, there's the hard, there's the easy, and there's the trivial things that can move. So you want to take some of the hard ones and really do them also, and then move the ones that are easy to move too. But you don't want to leave either the most critical or the least critical for last. You want to balance that transition so that you have an explicit move to getting your entire infrastructure to a more modern infrastructure. We started this conversation uh, talking about speed. And the other thing that I want to talk about before I let you go is scale. 
Mm. Obviously, there are some agencies that are smaller and they're able to roll these concepts out and so on. There are some agencies like I referenced the Defense Department a few minutes ago, VA, HHS and others that are just enormous. And and the not just the size, but uh, also the landscape of the the types of environments in which they're trying to provide security is incredible. What's what difference does that make in the way that one formulates a strategy for doing the things that we've talked about in this conversation, Arlette? Yeah, it is completely different how you look at things depending on your scale. If you're in a small agency, finding the um, finding the resources to do the thing can be really challenging. It's it's challenging everywhere, but also you know just from the the tooling and the human being sides of it can be a really challenging. And retiring your infrastructure in a small organization, I don't think it is fundamentally more different in one sense, but in another sense, it's more visible. So you have the smaller agencies, and you can see that where they are in the infrastructure. When you're in a very large organization. it's easier to hide some of your deficiencies. So it's not necessarily true that the larger ones are more modern, but they have segments that are more modern. So I think the the challenges are common across all of the organizations, and we really do need to look at it that way instead of saying, oh, well, this one's great and this one's terrible, because it's not true. Everybody has room to grow and room to improve. We need to look across the organizations and do and raise all the boats, not just the ones that are the um, the biggest and highest speed. And I think the piece that's also true with scale is that it's harder to find the small things when you're in a very large scale. So you've got to figure out how to do that in different ways. It's easier for people to find people problems than machines to find machine problems or machines to find people problems. So looking at that at the large scale gets to be a different kind of problem. We've been uh, focusing a lot of AI kinds of uh, functions on that, of course, and um, it's making a lot of progress on it, but it's still a really hard challenge. But that's where you get the, the scale questions in. Is that automation possibility, that automation potential, maybe the biggest difference maker in the coming 18 months to three years? AI in particular should be, I believe. Um, I think there's the the challenge is going to be still the move to the cloud. And I think that is going to be the biggest difference maker in the next 18 months. And then um, moving to a zero trust framework so that you really understand who's doing what in context. Are they allowed to do it? And making sure that that is done uh, without friction. Those are the those are the elements, and then adding AI to that so that you really understand what the zero trust framework is doing in context. That's going to be a huge make, uh, decision maker and a huge benefit to um, not just government, but I think you know eventually the private sector and all the people who are supporting government in context too. So I think those three pieces of it are going to be huge. Arlette Hart of Lidos, thanks very much for joining me today. Appreciate the conversation. Thank you so much. Glad to be here.